Welcome to the Community Christian Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. For more information about our church, simply go to cccsterling.org. Once again, good morning and welcome to Community Christian Church. So good to have you here today. On the Christian calendar, today's the start of Passion Week. The final week in the life and ministry of Jesus, where he not only revealed to us his genuine and unconditional love, but he proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is who he claimed to be, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And for you and me and all believers everywhere, what happened 2,000 years ago in the closing hours of Jesus' earthly existence changed the world. And not just life on earth, I mean the next reality as well. Passion Week rewrote eternity. I'll say that again because I know it's early in the message but I'm flying out of the starting gate this morning. Passion Week, it changed all eternity. And during this extremely pivotal week of time, three historic events took place. And over the next eight days, we're going to look at all three, starting with today, Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday, the first day of Passion Week, Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Five days from now is Good Friday. We're going to take a journey to Calvary and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. And then one week from today is Easter Sunday, a time to celebrate the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And for us, it doesn't get any better than that. And so I appeal to you, If you are in town, come to church. I mean, if you're here, I know we celebrate what Jesus did for us all during the year, but this is a very special occasion. Two services, 9 and 11 o'clock. Don't come by yourself. Bring somebody with you. Gather the whole family together. Go out and pick up a couple of neighbors. And let's be here together in the house of God on this great day. Sound good? It should. All right, today, Palm Sunday. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. You can follow along on the screen. After Jesus said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. And sure enough, those who were sent ahead went and found it just as Jesus had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked, why are you untying the colt? In other words, why are you taking my donkey? And they replied, the Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. 
And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Some cut down palm branches. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Hosanna to the Son of David, they said. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, if they keep quiet, the stones would cry out. Okay, this story that we just read from the Gospel of Luke, the Palm Sunday story, is told by all four Gospel writers. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all contribute and all offer some commentary as to what took place on this day. And as you spend time reading all of the accounts, when you look at what they wrote in their record, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you put it all together, it tells a wonderful story. See, it was the Feast of Passover. And remember with me, according to the law of Moses, all Jewish males were required to attend this very sacred religious holiday, which commemorated the miraculous escape from Egypt. Passover took place in Jerusalem. And again, everyone had to be there. Even if you lived in another city, like Capernaum or Bethany, still you had to make the trip. In fact, most people in those days went to Jerusalem three times a year to celebrate religious holidays. The first time was this one, Passover, or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The second one was the Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks. And then the third festival took place around harvest time. It was the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. This was Passover. And everyone and their brother, a huge crowd of people, made their way to the city of Jerusalem. And it was Luke, the detail guy, who tells us in his record that when Jesus and his disciples reached the Mount of Olives, two miles from Jerusalem, something spontaneous began to happen. When all of those people saw Jesus sitting on that donkey, without anyone leading the way, they all began at the same time to sing and to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Some of them cut down palm branches and began to wave them. Others took off their coats, the scripture tells us, and along with the palm branches, laid them in front of Jesus. And for the next 26 minutes, that's how long it took to get from the Mount of Olives to the city of Jerusalem. For those 26 minutes, there was the most spectacular praise and worship event this world has ever known or seen. And make no mistake, the people were lauding and applauding their king, King Jesus. And when this prophetic parade reached the outskirts of Jerusalem, and the religious leaders heard and saw what was taking place, they made a beeline to Jesus, and they said to Jesus, shut this thing down. Tell these people to be quiet. In fact, rebuke them for praising you. 
And do you remember Jesus' response? On this occasion, Jesus said, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. I have a question for you. You saw the question, or you read it in the video a few moments ago. Have you ever considered that statement that Jesus made? Ever give it any serious thought? I mean, it's in the Bible. Jesus said it. Have you ever wondered if the stones were to cry out, if they were to testify or speak their mind, what would the stones say? What would they say? Well, this may very well be the most unconventional sermon you've ever heard in your life. But we're going to cut the stones loose this morning. We're going to use our imagination and we're going to interview a few stones. Three of them to be exact. Three Bible stones that all tell stories that you're very familiar with. Are you up for something like that? All right. Let's meet stone number one. It's found in Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, and I'm not going to read the entire passage. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel traveled in the wilderness and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. We're tormented with thirst. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do? The Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people and call some of the elders to go with you. Take your staff, and I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, and water will come out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and the water gushed out of it. You read that right. The water gushed out of that rock. All right, let's get a little creative this morning. Let's invite this rock or this stone to speak, to give praise to God on Jesus' behalf. And if the stone were to talk, if it were to give a testimony, what would this stone say? Well, I think stone number one would say, Jesus can satisfy your thirsty soul. Jesus can satisfy your thirsty soul. See, this stone would tell us that he was right there alongside of all those people who were complaining and who were upset. And the reason that they were so upset, the reason that they were desperately crying out to God and reaching out to God is because they were thirsty. They didn't have any water. In fact, there was no water for miles and miles in all directions. No place that the elders or the leaders or Moses could take them to get their thirst satisfied. And please don't forget, stone number one would say, I live in the wilderness. I make my home in the desert. And I know what it feels like to be dry and desolate and to live a barren and unfruitful life. But after what happened to me on that occasion... After what I experienced, it doesn't matter how dry you are or how empty you feel on the inside. Jesus can change all that. Yeah. 
In fact, Jesus, the rock said, can provide you with the spiritual refreshing you so desperately need. That's precisely what happened to the woman that Jesus met in Samaria. He encountered this woman at a well. And she was there for one reason. She was thirsty. She came for water. And just about the time she put her bucket into that well to take yet another drink, Jesus said to her, the water you've been drinking your whole life is never going to satisfy you. No matter how many times you dip into that water, it's not going to satisfy you. In fact, the best it can do is increase your thirst. But a little bit later on in John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said to her, whoever drinks this water, this well water, will be thirsty again and again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, it will become in her or in him a spring of water welling up or gushing out onto eternal life. You see, that was the testimony of stone number one. He said, that happened to me. I was a recipient of that gushing out experience that only comes from God. Let me ask you, what are you hoping will satisfy you? What are you currently using to try and quench your emotional and spiritual thirst? A few weeks ago, back during our first of the year series, our recharge series, together we learned that the things of this world are never going to satisfy. I mean, you can make a list of them. And you can go right down the list. And no matter how much you try, worldly things are not going to work for you, including money, sex, and power. It's just not going to fill the void in your life. Remember Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 10 and 11? Solomon said this, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. In fact, I did it all. And yet when I surveyed all my hands had done and when I, what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. It did not quench my thirst. It did not satisfy. But in John chapter 7 and verse 37, Jesus said, If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And out of your belly, your innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. This is what Jesus has to offer us. It's living, friend. It's abundance. It's life to the full. In fact, in John chapter 10, he said, that's the reason I came. I came that you might have an abundant life. And so, stone number one would say, only Jesus can satisfy your thirsty soul. All right? So number two is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's the story of David and Goliath, a story that you know well. In fact, I chose very familiar stories on purpose. Here in this story, the Bible tells us that Israel was at war with the Philistines, one of their most ruthless enemies. And the battle was at a standstill because the Philistines had presented the armies of Israel with a pretty sizable challenge. You see, they wanted Israel to select a soldier that would fight against their military champion, the Goliath of Gath. 
And this Gath giant was a monster. Nine feet tall, strong as an ox. And not a single person in Israel's army would go up against him. In fact, even when they heard him speak, they were scared to death of them, of him. All of them except for one courageous teenager by the name of David. Let's pick up the story here in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Again, I'm not reading every verse. David said to the king, King Saul, let no man's heart fail because of fear. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Then David chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to Goliath. Then David said, You come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and take your head from you. This day all the earth will know that there's a God in Israel, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. And he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead. And he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. He struck the Philistine and killed him. Pretty amazing story, wouldn't you say? But you wouldn't be the only one to say it. Because if the stones could cry out, here's what stone number two would say. Stone number two would testify that Jesus can defeat even the most intimidating giant. Jesus can defeat and destroy even the most intimidating giant. And as we learned over the past three weeks, oftentimes giants disguise themselves as spiders. And there are very few things in this life any more terrifying or intimidating than a spider. But as Pastor Chris so passionately and powerfully taught us, with God's help, we can stomp on the spider instead of screaming and running in the opposite direction, which is what we typically do when we encounter giants. Can you begin to comprehend what it must have been like for stone number two? Facing that giant, thinking to himself, there's just no way. This Ripley's, believe it or not, freak is going to annihilate us. But then with his own eyes, because he had a bird's eye view, he watched that giant fall. Can you imagine that? Stone number two watched that enormous giant fall. And because he had a bird's eye view, in Luke chapter 10, verses 18 and 19, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He went on to say, and I've given you power. I've given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and spiders. I added spiders. And over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Make no mistake, Jesus went up against the devil himself. And the Bible says that he openly defeated him. 
Colossians 2.15 says, Having disarmed all powers and all authorities, he made a public spectacle of Satan, triumphing over him through the cross. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, one of the most victorious verses in the entire Bible, says this, Revelation 20.10, And the devil was cast into the lake of fire, where the beast, the antichrist, and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. What a day that's going to be for us. Unfortunately, Satan is still at work for a little while longer. His mission, very clear, steal, kill, and destroy. And he usually does this through giants, intimidating giants in the lives of Christian people. And a giant is anything that seems bigger than us or stronger than us, anything that creates fear and worry and doubt. And the enemy loves to use this one against the people of God. Please understand, giants never go away on their own. They have to be faced. That's the first and essential step in trying to overcome and defeat a giant. You have to be willing to face it. And as we were singing about all morning long, God's grace is sufficient. It's sufficient for us in all things. And don't forget, Jesus can defeat even the most intimidating giant. All right, let's look at this last story. It's found in the Gospel of John, John chapter 8. And as soon as I start telling the story in my own words, most of you are going to recognize it. The Bible tells us that one day Jesus was teaching in the temple courts and right in the middle of his sermon, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they interrupted that church service and they dragged a woman in and they placed her in front of Jesus and began to make accusations against her. They said to Jesus, we caught this woman in an act of sin. And the law of Moses says she needs to be stoned. That's what the law says. That a woman who's caught in adultery, anyone who's caught in adultery, they should be stoned to death. We don't want to do it, Jesus, but that's what the law says. So you tell us, what should we do here? Out of the corner of his eyes, as the religious leaders were making accusations against this woman, he saw the people who were there begin to pick up stones. And so he thought for a moment, and he said, whoever among you is without sin... Go ahead and cast the first stone. Have at it. And as the story goes, one by one, being convicted of their own moral failures and sin, every single person who had a stone in their hand dropped it. You know, I've told this story before during messages that I've preached. In fact, this is the kind of story that we can all relate to. We, we, we hear this one often. And every single time that I've preached on this particular story, I made a big point to tell you that everyone who had a stone in their hand dropped the stone and cleared out. And there was only Jesus and the woman left at the end of the story. I've told you that over and over again. But I was wrong. It wasn't just Jesus and the woman. The stones were there. And the stones saw it all. They heard everything. 
And if stone number three could speak, here's what stone number three would say. Jesus will silence the voice of the accuser. You see, when the men and women in the crowd that day responded to the accusations of the religious leaders, stone number three was just moments away from being launched at that demoralized woman. Stone number three was about to inflict great pain and bodily harm. But at the last second, Jesus intervened and the stone was dropped. And again, here's what stone number three heard Jesus say to the woman. Where are your accusers? Is no one here to condemn you? You know, I think for most of us here in the room, we've embraced the love of God. I mean, if we're going to understand who we are in Christ, we have to know that God loves us. I mean, the hallmark verse of the Christian faith, John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Just hours before his death, Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. I think somewhere we've all embraced the love of God. We all believe that God loves us. It's what separates us from the unbelievers is the love of God. But it's that nagging, condemning, bone-crushing, accusation, voice of the enemy that brings so much havoc and doubt to our lives. And Revelations 12.10 says that he continually stands before the throne of God and makes accusations against us. Over and over again, we hear his voice telling us how bad we are, how terrible and sinful we are. And it's difficult to receive anything positive or anything good from the word of God because of that. But you know who's sitting right next to God at his right hand? Jesus, always making intercession for us. And it's Jesus who silences the voice of the accuser. It's Jesus who puts his hands up and says to the enemy, stop right there. Paul the Apostle picked up on the same theme. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. I've quoted this verse over and over again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. You have to hear that. That message and that truth. It's true. Jesus said to the woman, go and sin no more. Change your life. Walk away from your sin. But the message that stone number three heard was, I do not condemn you. Friend, I do not condemn you. The God we serve is not a condemning God. He silences the accuser. And so if you listen to the message of the stones, not the rolling stones, Bible stones. Here's what they say. Let's read these together. Jesus will satisfy your thirsty soul. Jesus will defeat even the most intimidating giant. Jesus will silence the voice of the accuser. If the stones cried out, that's part of what they would say. 
All right, let's bow our heads for prayer. We're going to take just a couple of minutes this morning. I'm going to ask you to think about what I just said. Maybe this morning when you came in to the church, when you prepared yourself for the service this morning, you just couldn't get into our time of praise and worship. In fact, during the time that Phil and the team were leading us in the songs, I looked around. Maybe you saw me looking around. I normally don't do that. And I saw some of you worshiping God. I saw you in that position where you were obviously responding to the presence of the Lord with all of your heart. But some of you were just standing there. It appeared to me as though some of you were having a difficult time entering in to the worship time. Now, I'm not passing judgment on you. I'm telling you what I observed. I don't, I don't know what you were doing. You may just stand there normally, and that's the way you worship. That's, that's your business. But it just occurred to me that during our opportunity to respond to the presence of God, some of us were silent. Jesus said, if the people didn't praise me, the stones would cry out. I'm wondering which one of these stone stories might resonate in your heart this morning. Which one of these messages might you respond to and say, Pastor, if I was honest, that's me. That's me. Would it be the message of stone number one? That you're so thirsty right now. That you're in a place of emptiness a dry, spiritually dry place. You need a refreshing that only God can give you. I want to tell you, Jesus can satisfy your thirsty soul. Maybe you're in a place right now where there is a huge mountain in front of you and it just appears for you right now that this is an intimidating giant and there's no way that you could ever overcome this problem in your life. Maybe it's a health problem. Maybe it's a relationship or a financial problem. It's a mountain to you. It's a giant. That's prevented you from worshiping God because you're just hung up on that mountain. Jesus defeats and destroys even the most intimidating giant. Or maybe for you, for you, it's the accusation of the enemy. Something you've done, something you're currently involved in. He just keeps pounding you with lie after lie after lie. And it keeps you in that place where you just can't express yourself in worship. 
Jesus silences the voice of the accuser and he sets us free. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been able to get to the show and see three different movies, all Christian movies, all Bible movies. Samson, I can only imagine, and last night, Paul the Apostle. And there's a reoccurring theme whenever you do a movie or a story on a Bible character. You see how much God uses brokenness in our lives. We live in a broken world. There's a lot of pain in our world. Paul the Apostle was a broken man. He really could never get past some of the things that had happened in his life. He drew from the grace of God, but you could tell it was in the back of his mind. He wrote about it. He thought about it. The movie leads you to believe it was his thorn, what he had done. There's a lot of brokenness around us, friend. Psalm 34, 18 says that God is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. He can use our brokenness, not only to bring healing and strength to our own lives, but to have the compassion that we need to reach out to a broken world. As the church of Jesus Christ, we need to be more keenly aware of how painful it is for people, even those around us who seem like they have it all together. If we can find healing from our own brokenness, if we can draw from the grace of God and the strength of God and allow God to do a work in our hearts that puts us in better position to be a strength in someone else's life. I'm going to close out in prayer this morning. Let me ask you to just bow your heads. How many of you here would be honest and say, you know what, I could relate to one of those stone stories? Would you raise your hand? Appreciate your honesty. You put your hand down. Most everybody. God's grace is sufficient for you, friend. perfect in weakness and when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem when he made that 26 minute ride and the people saw him they acknowledged that he was the, the king of kings and the lord of lords could you do that in your own heart's mind today on this day that we call Palm Sunday, could you imagine, could you comprehend Jesus as your king? Able to do all the things that the stones talked about us today. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for your power in this place. I thank you for those who raise their hand, Lord. They're saying to you that they're needful, that they want to draw from your strength and from your grace. I pray, Lord God, that something would change in their life today. I pray that today they'd have the testimony that they're different because of the perspective of the stones, because of the messages, Lord, the bird's eye view that we get of Jesus as the very God who is always with us. He loves us with an everlasting love. He satisfies thirsty souls. He defeats intimidating giants. 
and he silences the voice of the accuser. Lord, I pray healing for my brothers and sisters today. I pray this would be a Palm Sunday we never forget. It's the day that we were loosed and released to offer praise to you like never before. Father, we're not going to allow rocks to praise you in our place. We have been born, we have breath in our lungs to offer you praise. I speak that over this congregation this morning, Lord. Let this be a congregation that knows you, loves you, receives your love, and praises you for who you are. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for coming today. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to go to cccsterling.org slash media or searching CCC Sterling on the App Store for more messages from Community Christian Church.